Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Market Lane's Coffee Podcast. My name is Einar and today I'm catching up with Jason again to answer the last couple of myths and questions about coffee. One of the questions that we got was how do we dial in the espresso machine and grinder in the morning? Jason, do you want to tell us uh, how you want us to do this? Well, hello everyone. Thanks for joining us again. Thank you again for the questions. I guess it's changed over the, the years and we've obviously had a couple of different espresso trainers over the, the years and also some of you have been a staff member for a long time. So I thought I'd just go through how how I open or how I would open a shop in the mornings and how I would dial in the espresso. So the first thing I would do is put the porta filters in the machine and rinse each group head quickly. So I would use, a, use the double shot button just to give a rinse of say 10 or 15 seconds um, for each group head with the porta filter in. And the reason for doing this is not necessarily to heat up the porta filters because they should already be quite warm uh, from sitting in the machine all night but it's to just give a quick rinse if there's any chemical or any anything left in the porta filter from the previous night's cleaning. So just a quick rinse through each of the porta filters. And then I would start with a grinder, fill the hopper with coffee, and I would start grinding directly into the first porta filter. I'd use the continuous flow button on the grinder and just fill the porta filter up until it's at the dose that we're looking for. So usually 18 grams. Tamp it and start that shot. I'd do the same thing with the second group. By the third group, we should be looking at getting about the right shot time. And that's the group that I would taste and check for balance and, and things. If it needs more work, I'd go through back to the first group, make another espresso and, and taste it. Uh, when it comes to the guest espresso, you should also dial this in first thing in the morning. I know that in the past, some of you have waited until a customer has ordered it, but really we shouldn't be forcing the customer to wait for a couple of minutes extra while we have to dial the coffee in. Because it could be that the guest espresso is a different coffee from before and it could take a little while to dial in. So yeah, it's important to at least do a few shots of the guest espresso in the morning to make sure that it's pouring properly and tasting good. If you drink milk, it's also nice to taste the espresso and the guest coffee with milk and just check that it's, you know, tasting balanced and, and good. I'd also choose a time fairly close to the opening time of the shop to dial the coffee in. And that's so that the grinder doesn't sit there for too long after I've dialed it in before making the first coffee for a customer. Sometimes it's not always practical, but at least making a few coffees right before you open gives you the confidence that what you're tasting is what you're going to be serving uh, when you're ready to serve customers. We also had a couple of questions uh, left in the um, responses after the staff email. Uh, one of the questions that came up twice was uh, storing coffee beans in the freezer. Uh, shall we do that? Sounds good. It's an interesting question because it does actually preserve the coffee, but there are some drawbacks to doing it. And the biggest one is moisture. So if you have an open bag of coffee, you put that in the freezer and take it out. The coffee is going to basically sweat as it defrosts. So you can do it if you are willing to ziplock the coffee properly and dose it out into small amounts and then freeze it. Or if you're going to take a whole bag and put it in the freezer for a couple of months or a few weeks at least, and then take the whole bag out let it come to room temperature and then start brewing with it. But in general, I would say it's just better to use the coffee as you have it. Store it somewhere cool and dark, keep the bag closed and it will taste good over several weeks. One question that we get uh, in the shops quite a lot from staff is um, whether we should leave the spent espresso puck in the portafilter or clean out the portafilter between the shots. What do you think? 
Well, the rationale behind it is that the spent coffee puck will keep the portafilter and the group head warm. And this may be true, but we don't really see an empty portafilter go cold. So I would say it's optional. If you're working in a quiet shop, then you definitely could knock out the portafilter, clean the portafilter, and then put it back in. But I would definitely say it's optional. Uh, I think also you can spend that time cleaning the portafilter. You can spend that time on cleaning other things like around the grinder, topping up the beans, and even if you leave the portafilter empty or cleaned uh, in the machine, uh, you will still need to wipe that one uh, out before making the next shot, so spend your time wisely. Mm. Uh, one pet peeve that we heard about is uh, customers who think the freshest roast is the best. Is that always true? Well, it's not always true, but you have to be kind and considerate to your customers. There would be good reasons for them thinking that the freshest coffee is best because they may have been buying coffee from another coffee roaster or other shops in the past where the coffee may have been sitting on the shelf for quite a long time. So asking for the freshest coffee back then might have just been coffee that was five days old. Obviously, we don't sell coffee that doesn't taste good when we sell it. So it's technically fine to give them any date that we have, but I would always look to help them if I can. Yeah, I think even if it's not on the shelf and it's hiding in a crate that just arrived, if you, if you can grab it for the customer, they will really appreciate it and it doesn't cost us much to, to help them out that way. One of the other myths was um, that coffee plants or coffee trees will absorb the flavors or, of whatever is growing next to it. So if you grow oranges next to your coffee trees, the coffee will taste like uh, orange. Is that true? It's a really interesting question because it very well may be true. I remember cupping a coffee from India called Belmadi Estate and it tasted a lot like spices. And I don't know if it was just because it, it was an Indian coffee and that taste profile does have more sort of, you know, clove or cinnamon flavors coming through, or if it was actually because they were producing those spices on the same farm as they were producing the coffee. There are other precedents for neighboring plants producing different flavors in other foods. For example, wine grown around eucalyptus plantations will absorb a sort of eucalypt flavor in them. Even though the eucalypt trees will be quite a distance away, the wine can develop a eucalypt flavor in it. So good question. It's probably, probably not affecting the flavor of the coffee, but it definitely could be. Another question that came in was whether it matters if you stir the filter coffee clockwise or anti-clockwise. I guess this was a, a joke question, but no, it doesn't matter. It does matter if you do it you know, very aggressively or quickly. So I would always try a sort of a, a loose, gentle sort of excavating motion when stirring the coffee. The next question is quite common in the shops. It's uh, how do we grind the coffee for cold drip? Yeah, it's a common question we get here at the roastery too. People asking for the best way to grind coffee for their cold brew. And it's a difficult one to answer. And I think the truth is it doesn't really matter so much because with cold brew, you can have such a long steep time for the coffee. So if you were to grind the coffee quite finely, you could have a shorter brew time to get the same strength. And if you were to grind the coffee quite coarsely, you could get you would have to let it steep for much longer to get the same strength. So I normally recommend people grind it on the pour over filter size. Uh, and this is because I think if you grind it too fine, like espresso, it can clog up the filter. And then if you grind it too coarse, it would taste fairly weak and insipid. Next question is, why can't we put filter coffees through an espresso machine? Well, we can, and people can make that 
choice if they like. The thing I would say is that if they wanted to do that, then they should change the recipe a little bit so it's a much longer brew ratio. So instead of going from 18 grams of dry coffee to 36, you could go from 18 to 45 or something like that. Our filter roasts are roasted so that they taste good in filter coffee. And usually this means that there's a much bigger brewing ratio of like one to 17. So it's definitely possible to do it in espresso, but I would just worry that it tastes a little bit unbalanced or not quite strong enough. Next is a technical question. Uh, we should not be using stainless steel, like a teaspoon or knife or screwdriver to scrape the milk buildup on the steam ones. I think here the point is that if you have to really scrape at it to get it off, you should try a different approach first. So I would, if, if there's a lot of buildup already, I would probably soak the steam wand in some hot water in a, one of the small milk jugs for a minute or two or a couple of minutes and then try and remove it with a, a cloth or a green scratchy. Yeah, if you're using anything too abrasive on the steam wand, you can scratch off the, the coating, but this will also happen with a green scratchy over time. So it's better just to either wipe it frequently or loosen it with some hot water and then wipe it off. Uh, we got one kind of common misconception and that's there's two types of coffee. It's the whole beans and ground coffee and for a lot of customers it seems like ground coffee means instant coffee. Uh, I think for that one, if people are not sure, just make sure that you, you let them know that we can grind them for, for the customer, but the coffee is not going to dissolve like instant coffee. So they still need some kind of uh, method to, to filter the coffee grounds from the brew. Yep. I would just add, remember to be respectful when you're giving answers like this because they may come from a background where it's much more common to have instant coffee or just whole bean coffee. Uh, there's one question about uh, changing the dose with small margins, so um, dosing 18.2 instead of 18 or just changing the, the dose by 0.1 gram makes a notable, noticeable difference. What do you think? I think this is an interesting question because there are a number of different variables that impact the cup quality and trying to control them all or trying to reduce the variables that impact the cup quality, I think is quite important. I think the crux of it though is, will a dose of 18.1 taste vastly different to a dose of 18? And to that, the answer is no. And I don't think people could conceivably, you know, pick the two apart if they were brewed. That said, I think it's great that some grinders and some baristas can keep their dose, you know, within 0.1 or 0.2 of a gram margin of their desired dose, because it means that it will reduce the impact that some other variables that we can't see could have on the cup quality, which could be things like distribution of the coffee in the portafilter, or how well the flow meter was working and if it dispensed exactly the right amount. One more thing just to add on the weighing doses and getting the dose exactly right. If I was working in the shop and the dose was slightly out, after weighing the portafilter once, I would either add a little bit of coffee or take a little bit of coffee out, but I wouldn't necessarily reweigh it a second time because I think it's fairly easy to eyeball half a gram or 0.25 of a gram, for example, and rather than rechecking a second time, you can save yourself a lot of time by just saying, well, it's half a gram down, so I can, I can use you know, half a teaspoon and that will bring it up to the right dose. So rather than trying to teaspoon in and out 0.1 or 0.2 of a gram, once it's weighed and you know you're close, just eyeball it from there and you'll be even closer. Next question is about roasting coffee darker reduce the pH level acidity in the coffee and therefore um, darker coffee is gentler on your tummy. Is that true? 
It's true that there's a range of pH levels that coffee has. Coffee roasted very dark will have a pH of like seven and coffee roasted very light will have a pH of about five. To be honest, I don't know what our coffee pH is when brewed, but I would assume it's on the lighter side. I would also say that it may have an effect on your tummy, but other things probably have a bigger effect, like whether you've eaten in the morning or whether you're particularly sensitive to, to coffee or to acidity. I wouldn't necessarily choose what coffee I'm gonna drink based on the pH of it. There's two questions about single origin. One is why some coffee shops refuse to serve their single origin with milk and only serve them black. And another question or pet peeve is single origin is always better than a blend. What do you think? Well, they're both decisions that other coffee shop owners have made, so I'll leave it to a, a brief comment about them. But I would say they've chosen to only do their single origins black or without milk because they're more acidic or they think they don't work as well with, with milk or milk alternatives. And I think the perception that a single origin is always better than a blend comes from maybe the surcharge that people apply to single origin coffees. And this may be because the single origin coffees are more expensive than the blend coffees that the cafe is offering. For us, we like to keep it all the same price because we put premium coffee both in our seasonal espresso and also as our single espressos. And the last question is, who invented the magic and is it officially supposed to be with the double ristretto? Great question. Again, I don't know exactly, but from the various articles in the media, I would say that it was invented at a cafe in Brunswick, a cafe called Ray Cafe, around 2004, 2005 sort of era. And at that time, yeah, I would say that it was done with a double ristretto because that was uh, all the rage back then. And it would have been made with just a little bit less milk, so three quarters full. And I don't know why it's called magic. <laughs> You will get uh, quite a few customers asking for a magic and the best thing to do is to make them uh, flat white, that's three quarters full, because that's pretty close to what a magic is. And just on that, if you do have customers that come in and ask for a ristretto, please just make it for them and try and make it for them the way that they would like it. So if they do, if you know they're like quite a short ristretto, please just make it for them because they've been drinking ristrettos for many years and, and they're sure that they, they like it. So. Thank you everyone for all your questions and, and myths that you submitted. Um, thank you, Jason, for answering all of them. Thank you, Aina. <laughs> it's been great. Thank you all very much for your questions. It's very interesting to look at them more carefully and address them. Thanks for listening. Thank you.